Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to an episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. I'm sorry, I've been kind of out of the loop lately. Haven't been putting out tons of content. Um, that is going to change. I'm kind of back on track now. Uh, dealing with lots of shit. And then also uh, I made some statements that made it uh, international. It made international news. So I've done enough talking and trying to sit back and listen and reflect on things and uh, continue forward. Um, but I'm back. There's a lot that's been going on around the world over the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to cover some of that specifically in uh, Ukraine with the war between Ukraine and Russia. Uh, I covered this with Ryan back in, I think it was back in March episode. I forget what episode number it was, but uh, it's one of the pinned episodes on my channel. So if you go there, you'll see it. It's the one with Ryan in it. And we talked about the war back then. And a lot of the stuff that Ryan talked about ended up being the case. And you guys know me. I, I don't know what is 100% true about what's going on, but I like to have people back on who have been right in the past. And Ryan has been consistently right about a lot of this stuff. So I brought him back on to talk about what is going on over in Ukraine. How are you doing, Ryan? Pretty good, man. Good sweatshirt you there. Is that the antiwar.com shirt? Antiwar.com. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Original logo. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we can only wish. We wish these wars would end, but sometimes they're inevitable. Yeah. Last time we talked about uh, how the sanctions were not going to work, how they were planning to kick Russia off of SWIFT. And, it's weird that uh, someone like myself could understand that. And we've got all these cabinet members and politicians and from Europe and the United States that all thought it was going to have a different outcome. It's because they hire based on nepotism and they hire people for telling them what they want to hear instead of the truth. And that's how you end up with disasters like that. And because the sanctions didn't work the way they planned, it changed the entire outcome of the war. Yeah. So um, the big thing everyone's talking about right now is the Ukrainian counteroffensive um, hmm. that kind of pushing Russia back. So what is actually happening there? How much have they pushed Russia back? Is this from all the recent money they've gotten? They were able to put more weapons on the front lines. Like, how did this happen? And what is the extent of the counteroffensive actually? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me. Yeah, they definitely got more money and more weapons, but uh, this ties into what I just said. When they started this war, and they were, I mean, they had been antagonizing Donbass. They had plans to invade in March. Russia preempted that. Really, Donbass preempted that by, again, uh, trying to secede and become independent states, which Russia and Syria recognized and then north korea recognized <laughs> why not right <laughs> but they nobody had nobody at the pentagon or anyone else had any delusions that they were going to march on moscow or something they knew this would have to be a defensive war they assumed and you can hear a lot of these turkeys say this that it would be the new afghanistan referring to when the soviet union invaded afghanistan it became their vietnam right they right. lost a lot of soldiers money their plan was to have a war of attrition and in order to do that, they thought the sanctions, the global sanctions that aren't so global and kicking them off swift and other things was going to bleed Russia and make the clock on Ukraine's side. They had bunkers. They had zigzag entrenchments. They were going to make everything a Pyrrhic victory and bleed the Russians, force them to go on the offense 
uh, you know, in a short time scale, they have to charge the porcupine. It's never worth it. Except that's not what happened. Not only did the sanctions not really damage Russia, the opposite happened. They say the sanctions hurt Europe and hurt Ukraine. They're going to have a very nasty winter of their own doing. And so sitting back in their defensive positions wasn't working. Russia was on their own time scale. They called it the meat grinder. They could just sit back with their artillery, which they have far more ammo for and range, and just make it rain all day, every day, and slowly grind them out. And the advantage of that type of warfare is you're not losing personnel. It's not very quick because they're bunkered in. Mostly you're going to damage, you know, uh, things. And so, like, they hit out, they hit the supply depots, they hit their ammo depots, they hit their fuel depots in the very beginning of the war and their airfields and then withdrew to protect Donbass. Well, they grinded their way through. So Ukraine realized if we continue to play defense and hope they're going to charge our trenches, they're just not going to. They're going to hit us with artillery forever, and we're slowly just going to lose this. So they have to go on the offense. They're going to have to get out of their hole, and this is what they did on three different fronts in Kyrgyzstan in the west and Zaporozhye in the middle and uh, Kharkiv in the northeast. And the first two failed miserably. They lost about 6,000 in personnel and they didn't gain any territory. They didn't really inflict much damage and they got hit real hard. Uh, NATO troops joined them in the Kharkiv offensive, which was the most lightly defended because there's nothing up there. It was a couple towns. It was the only reason the Russians were there at all is sort of just because the Americans had sent in Heinmars and longer range artillery. They wanted the periphery to be far enough away that it would not affect civilians in Donbass. Because you remember the Ukrainians had hit a train station and a grocery store with grad rockets and things. So they're like, to, in order to protect them, we got to get away almost to the Dnieper if we can, really far away. Kharkiv city is the second biggest city in Ukraine. Russia had no intention of a target like that full of, you know, a million civilians. But they were around it, and Ukraine really never reached that far. But the Kharkiv region, Russia was so excited that these fools got out of their, their defensive posture to try to have a decisive battle. But since it was the thinnest part of the line, they basically sidestepped them, pulled their guys out of the way, because then they could send in their air force and their artillery and catch Ukraine in open fields, which they did. So on paper, to some noob, it looks like, oh my gosh, look at all this many square model, miles of territory that we can change the color on the map. But so what? Okay, you got some hills and forests and stuff, but you lost almost 10,000 people that you couldn't afford. So that was, it was a victory only on Twitter. Like it was a psychological victory for Ukraine. We got territory, but you didn't acquire the territory by defeating the other army. You just left your very tightly controlled defensive positions and then it was just open season. You were sitting ducks and, the, and Russia picked you off all day. Nothing really good came of that other than it was good PR, perhaps. 
it looked cool to people who don't know much about war, but it was not effective on the battlefield. Uh, the horrible thing, though, is those couple towns that they captured, all those people are probably getting tortured or murdered. But uh, it's a cold calculation, and Russia decided, yeah, we're going to lose these towns, but we're going to almost wipe out the entire front, all these VTGs in one blow of the Ukrainian army. About 20% of that offense was NATO, though, and they, they also got killed which I'm sure Russia doesn't mind. And so at the same time in Bakhmut, which is the most topographically defended place in this entire war, the industrial zone got uh, overtaken by the Wagner group and now they're surrounded. I expect that to fall by the end of the week. And from there, it'll be up to Slavyansk. Russia also pulled out of Izum, but the whole reason they were in Izum, and I think I said this on your show last time, was they were doing a double pincer move to surround uh, Ukrainian troops in Sevodonetsk and Lizzie Shanks. But it's kind of like a, a crab's claw. Well, the bottom part in Papasnia made a breakthrough and did that enclosure, and they got Sevodonetsk and Lizzie Shanks. So the one in Ism didn't matter if it went down or not. Uh, just had to hold the position. They basically just backed up across the river. Ukraine tried to hit them while they were on retreat but they couldn't penetrate the periphery forces and they really didn't get anything out of it. But they, they colored it in on the map. Oh, look, this is ours now. But that's, again, not a defensive position they need to hold. They already got their envelopment and took the two cities, which is a, you know, far more important than the forest of Izum. So Ukraine has been losing pretty badly on all fronts, but they continue to keep lying and, uh, asking for more weapons and toys. And they even attacked a nuclear power plant, which is probably not going to cause a fission reaction like Chernobyl or anything, but you could hit the spent fuel rods like what happened in Fukushima mm -hmm. and still cause a major disaster mm -hmm. that would blow radioactive material all over the area. And that is a mess to clean up and impossible to do during the middle of a war. It, they're desperate. I mean, they're emptying their jails. They're asking women to fight now that they, like, if you're winning a war, that's not the kind of things you do. Russia, on the other hand, has um, made partial mobilization. They were going to bring in about 300,000 to do auxiliary roles, basically free up the people doing that now so they can go back to the front. Mm -hmm. And that's because the, the war aims changed. The whole the SMO special military operation was supposed to protect Donbass. But then as soon as it starts, uh, Ukraine started attacking ethnic Russians everywhere, including in Kyrgyzstan. And, and so they moved up from Crimea and took over that too and pushed them out of there. So the front is much longer and stretched than anticipated. And they decided we are going to protect ethnic Russians wherever they reside, which is going to include in Odessa, by the way. And so with 300,000, this won't be like 300,000 crack soldiers trained on the everything. It's more going to be the knickknacky, you know, truck driver and not knocking on truck driver. I'm just saying it's not the same as, <laughs> as being a fighter pilot. You know, I'm yeah. just saying, like, you know, know, doing deliveries and the logistical, very important role. But, you know, 
um, much easier to get someone up to speed on that kind of activity than to to learn the complexities of being a drone operator or a fighter pilot or you know artillery is not a point and shoot thing like a video game it's a lot of math and physics and computation and it takes a lot of training and it takes yeah. a lot of training to coordinate all these things together is people have this delusion of video game you get a bird's eye view of the map and can move all the pieces around you don't see that from the ground like that's you can from satellite a little bit but uh hybrid warfare is complicated it takes practice it takes training it's and you know of course the enemy is going to change and you have to adapt and think and so they have that they're going to free up those troops they the wagner groups like the russian blackwaters full of mercenaries they have volunteer fighters from chechnya chechens and then the other reason for the the referendums they're doing uh starting tomorrow well no the 23rd it'll be tomorrow it's japan's a day right um starting from the 23rd um i mean 99 percent chance they're all going to vote to join the russian federation maybe one percent chance they're going to vote for independent states and a confederation and zero percent chance of staying with ukraine if it becomes russian proper which it will two major things are going to happen one now you're attacking russia which changes the rules mm -hmm. Two, they're all now Russian citizens. And so the Donbass militias and things that have been fighting shoulder to shoulder with the Russians now can have combat salaries, Russian health care, mm -hmm. and all the same benefits that Russian soldiers have, which is a really good boost for them. Uh, and legally it changes what Russia can do and they can bring in their reserves. So now they're all be part of the Russian army and allowed their equipment and and all the other benefits that come with it so and so their command most likely so along with the partial mobilization russia's back on nuclear standby right wasn't putin warning the west of nuclear potential again well that was more the um the disaster of the power plant that was the oh, okay. nuclear blackmail like what are you going to blow it up they did aim at the cooling system. I mean, they these people are nuts. Uh, but these are the same people that saran wrap women to poles and, you know, beat their heads in and strip them naked and break the bones of their fingers and the torture. By the way, the RT just released a, uh, a documentary where the Ihor Kolomoisky brought in the Israelis to teach the Azov how to best torture civilians. Just brought in they, the Israelis to teach the Azov. Yeah. Just in case anyone missed that. <laughs> right. That's what happened, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because this isn't <clears throat> it, like, I, again, it has nothing to do with being Jewish. Israel right. is a state and they they support the oligarchs, right? It's mm -hmm. a donor class. That's what runs that country. That country is an apartheid regime. They have a pecking order between different J groups within Israel. Everybody knows this. They work mm -hmm. with. Anyway, uh, so there he did that, and uh, and Azov took the instructions. This happened in Iran too, right? The Savat was trained by the Mossad. This is before the revolution, and today, the twenty second, is the anniversary of the first day of the Iran Iraq War. Mm -hmm. For you youngins that were not alive yeah. for that, it was nasty's eight year long brutal war stalemate. Where we gave Iraq. Iraq the weapons of mass destruction that we found in Iraq. Oh, it was. Rated. 
No, we just gave them pesticides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That became mustard gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get, you have Farland and Rumsfeld, you know, shaking hands with Saddam. And of course, you know, Obama shook hands with Gaddafi too. How that turned out. <clears throat> yeah. So what's the, uh, the UN and uh, NATO's reaction to this been? It seems like they're, they're not <laughs> rethinking anything. They're just doubling down, right? The UN... The, the, or the EU, excuse me, just had a meeting saying, oh, Russia's so yeah, desperate. Sorry, EU. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I, I Well, I mean, Russia has veto power at the UN, so does China. But yeah. the EU came and said, they're taking their semiconductors and microchips out of their washing machines and dishwashers to use on the front. <laughs> no, they're not. That doesn't work either. But uh, they're just making things up. And I, I don't get it. It seems like financial suicide. And there got to be people smart enough to realize this. Germany, especially, they shut down their nuclear power. They shut down a pipeline that they had already paid for and built. They're not using the original one because they, they couldn't get the spare parts for it out of Canada in time. And look, Russia has plenty of buyers. They'll sell it to India. They'll sell it to China. They'll sell it wherever. And a lot of Europe is just buying it from India anyway. So Russia sells it to India. India sells it to Italy and whatever. And like, you're, they're just selling. They're selling for a higher, less stuff for a higher price, which is the same. Like it's not, it's not going to work. But Europe is in for a dark winter. They're already rationing heating in the UK mm -hmm. already, and it's September. I know the UK doesn't have sun. It's just nighttime, and then fog and rain, and then nighttime again. They have this special holiday once a year, one day a year. They call summer. <laughs> yeah the mush heads crawl out of the pubs and go what is that shawnee thing <laughs> <laughs> they're hurting and uh a lot of it is the sanctions on natural gas and i i don't i brought it up either on your show i definitely brought it up on rbn because we talked about it for a while and there remember back in february when you sanction natural gas you're losing a lot of the chemicals you need in fertilizer Mm -hmm. And so you're having fertilizer shortages, nitric shortages. Uh, so you're not going to have the yield of crops you're, you expected. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really bad. The global south will most likely suffer first because Europe still can pay more than a lot of African nations or a place like Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is a special case, though, because they got hit by predatory loans by the Chinese. The Chinese were like, oh, that's okay. Just sell us your port. Let us operate your port right next to India. Yeah. A lot went and then in ESGs and a lot of, they had a, a perfect storm. I'm not going to say it's just because of the sanctions on Russia, right. but certainly didn't help. But if you look at places like Mali, like in Bamako right now, their capital, it's, it looks like Ethiopia in the eighties. It's horrible. And mm -hmm. it's because they don't, they're not getting fertilizer. And the price is, is to cost too much for food. It costs too much for gas. That's going to all right. It's going to break a lot of these places. And here come the refugees, which Europe cannot absorb. And it's going to get bad for them, too. Um, it's not going to be a food and gas is too expensive problem. It's going to be a food and gas aren't available problem. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I didn't they, they're delusional. They're like, no, that's not going to happen. Didn't Russia, 
Didn't Russia make a deal with China on that pipeline that they're going to take it out of China instead of continuing the Nordstrom two or whatever it is pipeline? Well, Nordstrom is built and all. I mean, Germany just won't. They're like, no, we're not buying it from you. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're lost. You're look. You need to buy it a lot more than they need to sell it. They can sell it to China. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people. Everybody's thirsty for fuel, and you can't just make that up by buying more from Saudi Arabia, UAE, or something because they're already pulling as much out and processing it out of the ground as fast as they're already at maximum production. And they're not too fond of the United States uh, and their female vice president. That doesn't float well in a Islamic monarchy in Saudi Arabia <laughs> for real. <Yeah. laughs> they just laugh. They made SNL type skits about it. And she's a moron anyway. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a big country. I love her vice advice about the, can I, this is YouTube, you know, the thing that went around that caused lockdowns. She mm-hmm. said, viruses are very, very small. Thank you, Kamala. I, She's not wrong, you know. I got. Nah, she that. got something right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Better than some of these kooks that are virus deniers, you know. Like, There's no such thing. I'm for the Terran theory. Yeah, some of these people, but uh, I don't see a solution for Europe unless they have, you know, votes of no confidence and get rid of their leadership and get rid of the sanctions and trade with Russia again. Yeah, they yeah. So one of one of the things we talked about when you were on last time and then I talked to Peter Schiff like a few days later uh, was that this was only going to strengthen Russia and China's ties. And now Xi Jinping and Putin met for the first time since the war began. First time Xi Jinping's left the country in two years. Um, what took place at that meeting? Like what type of things are Russia and China going to start working on together more now? All that well, China's bringing all these people in the Shanghai Corporation. And they're going to have it. Xi Jinping's got an election too in October. I expect him to win another 10 year term, which is basically life for for Pooh Bear. Mm -hmm. Um, Putin made a speech to all the ambassadors that arrived from everywhere outside the what they're calling the collective West. I hate jumping on that wagon, but you know, Europe, the US, Australia, New Zealand, Korea, and Japan basically all the rich places. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, he went through. And this is without a teleprompter or anything. This is this is what a statesman ought to be able to do. And went through deal after deal that he had made in their friendship with this country, that country, this country, that memorized, right? He knew it all. Uh, It's exactly what you'd expect. You know, pipelines are going to China, something that never would have happened if if they could go the other direction. Right. They're even incorporating Iran. I can see Iran in the future doing oil trades on the ruble. The ruble has proven its stability. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be rocked by the 300,000 men going into the front line, or not front lines, but going into Donbass. The economy there is still going to be strong. And a lot of the, the basket of currencies, one of the ways around it was getting a lot of yuan from China. And man, China is starving for oil and gas and Russia has plenty. You morons like this was (laughs) them. Russia having its its uh, Europe filism or whatever is what kept Europe 
on top. This is an irreversible situation. The Europe is not going to ascend to its period of, you know, colonial power time. They're on top because they got so far ahead in the race. This is going to set them back and there isn't a way to climb back up. Like the future is in Asia now. China had, it had four economic cooperative zones that practice free markets so they didn't all starve to death. And those areas are now doing better than anywhere in Europe. That's amazing. Like if I was yeah. China used to be a laughing stock, like, oh, China, they make dollar store widgets and work for a dollar a day. That was a situation they were in under communism. And that and Europe was the exact opposite. It was something to, you know, respectable. Uh -huh. It's now they're China's richer than anywhere in Europe. So is Japan. So is Korea. In fact, Korea is still wealthier than Russia, but how long will that last? Their currency, the, the yuan and the yen, I believe, are worth about 70 cents and 72 cents. Wow. And before the war, the yen was worth about a dollar, 100 yen to the dollar, maybe 97. Now it's 70. And that's with the dollar dropping, too. Yeah. They've devastated themselves. Japan is a bad situation because it, the day before the election, someone assassinated Shinzo Abe and Nara. Mm -hmm. oh, we know his name, Tetsuya, but like, it wasn't just someone. But that caused everybody to go super right wing and, and adopt all of Abe's policies, no compromise, because the man was shot and it was on film. And I went down to Yamato Saidaiji I live near where he was killed. There was a line. This is days after. In like 90 degree heat. Five blocks of people with bouquets of flowers and other memorabilia to just lay just lay on a table. These three long tables they had collecting these things for Shinzabe. So they Kishida went nuts. And um they're they're held they kind of be holding the U.S. thumb in its nose at you know with the Taiwan China situation and so it, the world's a mess, but their currencies have dropped now. As as long as they have Corona restrictions, it's not that big a deal. I can buy the same things I could buy anyway, because yeah, the yen went down only relative to other things. The, you know, bread is bread, all that's the same. But if I were to buy anything from abroad, plane tickets or anything like that, it's going to cost way more. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't they don't have tourism still. They have, still have these moronic uh, guided tours. That's supposed to change in October. So once the tourists come in, that will give a big boost to, to the Japanese economy and South Korea will probably follow Japan in that. And they'll come back up somewhat. But the situation with uh, Europe is different. Japan gets most of its coal from Canada. It gets its LNG from Australia. It gets oil from the Middle East. It was never really dependent on Russia anyway. <laughs> but Germany and Italy both definitely were. All of them were heavily dependent on that and the fertilizer. And so they're looking around Algeria, Nigeria, who can replace this. The other thing that people don't seem to understand is not all, all oil is the same. There's different between heavy crude and light crude and different types and grades of oil and gas and how they're refined. And you can't just switch one with another, like just blah, da da. 
the only country with, with enough variety of refineries and things to pull something like that off is the United States. Mm -hmm. And even they, <clears throat> it's a lot of oil from Canada and Mexico and it has oil reserves, which they're dipping into right now. And so they're like, oh yeah, but the price started going down again. I'm like, you are so short-sighted. They're dipping into strategic reserves and not all of it's even going to Americans. They Joe Biden sold strategic reserve oil to the Chinese. Yeah. Well, Ryan, when it goes from 250 to seven back down to four, that's oil prices dropping. Right. That's that's like Obama saying um he cut future spending. Well, we were going to spend four billion, but we only spent three and a half. So yeah. that's a deduction of half a billion. I'm like, no, that's three and a half billion you spent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They say we saved half a billion dollars. I'm like, no, you didn't. You just spent less. And that kind of fuzzy math stuff worked there. They did that all the time. Well, we were aiming at 800 billion. We only spent 790 billion. So yeah. we saved 10 billion. I'm that's like, no, 10 you billion you in your that. pocket. Yeah, yeah. You lost 790. What are you talking about? Yeah. But, you know, Democrats in math, that's why they think there's a, a gender wage gap. Yeah. Not doing the uh, women can't do math stereotype any any uh, favors there when you say stuff like on average. They don't understand what on average means mm -hmm. because they're so outraged that they need something it, to be the conclusion that fits their worldview. So they don't pay attention to any of the facts. So let's briefly talk about China. Um what is the situation like over there where you are as far as aggression from the United States doing military drills in the South China Sea, Nancy Pelosi actually visiting Taiwan? What is it like over there? It seems like it's kind of hot. It, it, yeah, but not as much as the U.S. media has made it seem like, oh, man, they're going to nuke Taiwan or something. It, I like that South Koreans wouldn't even meet with Pelosi. I said, mm -hmm. yeah, they're arachnophobic. <laughs> but, but she went there and they wouldn't meet with her they're like nope yeah. you don't get to meet anybody um based japan has this it's culturally just won't rock the boat there's just whatever smile at you and then just ignore everything you just said uh is there a, a different way of snubbing that they didn't realize taiwan was all about it but you know what was the point of that uh I don't think I know Scott Ritter and some others is saying China is going to invade Taiwan and sink all of our fleet with their hypersonic missiles and whatever. I don't think so. I, it's not that they couldn't sink boats. It, it's the submarines that are the issue. But forget about the who has what toy. It's politically China is this close to taking Taiwan anyway. Right. There's a pro Japan party. There's a pro China party. I think I said this on Horseman, but yeah, and they almost edged out the pro-Japanese party last go around. And so they could be one or two elections away from getting the unification party in and taking Taiwan without firing a bullet. They would much rather do that than go to war with 25 million people with U.S. and Japanese allies, right? Why would you start a conflict when you're about to win without one? Mm -hmm. Now, how about the reverse? Who'd like to start a conflict because they're about to lose without one? Yeah. The United States. <laughs> yeah. So what are they gonna do? They just sail through the strait and just sophomoric, immature stuff. You're playing chicken with the world war, but this this is what they're doing. This is you know, I look at our people. We don't have any adults in the room. We have a president that doesn't know where he is, can't find his way off a of stage, shakes hands with invisible people, 
Yeah. We have a vice president that, you know, I don't know. Those if viruses are very small. <laughs> right. She's just high all day or what's going on there. There's nothing upstairs. Yeah. And then look at his cabinet. I mean, look at their press secretary. She's like, I'm not here to answer questions. I'm here because I'm a black lesbian. Yeah. Yeah, she, she just had some check boxes and got a job. There's no clue what she's doing. The ginger that was there before also had no answers. Like, because there's stuff there's their policies are nuts. Yeah, I can't believe they made Jen Psaki look good by comparison. <laughs> that was pretty hard, but that's the old joke. Off. I don't know if it was Rogan or somebody on his show or something, but he said, Do you think uh like they were talking about Sarah Palin or Dan Quayle's where it starts? And they're like Everyone's like, yeah, look what we did. And some guys in the back of their arms crossed like, nah, we could go dumber. <laughs> and, and then they, they get George right. Bush and then you yeah. get Sarah Palin <laughs> and then you get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And yeah, th this is a funny thing. I was talking to Andre Makinov, uh, who is a Russian analyst. He lives in the U.S., but very good detailed things on uh, economic books and um uh, warfare toys and all these things very smart guy and he says uh fluent russian obviously he's from there originally he said pisaki is now a verb in russia to mean like foobar <laughs> so like you got pisakied <laughs> just yeah. means when you just like completely don't answer something Go. and you know you look at their foreign ministers and their press secretaries and their defense ministers they're articulate they know what they're doing they're not reading teleprompters and then you see our flock of, uh, we just, it's like brainless seagulls. Just, yeah. You know, they don't, they, they can't answer. Like, did you, why are you flying migrants around in the middle of the night? We're having migrant warfare now. I'm going to drop these off in your state. Well, we're going to drop them off at your house. Well, we're going to drop them off here, which I think is hilarious. I'm like, bring on the clowns. Enjoy the decline. Yeah. You know. That's what I said a few months I'm ago. Nero. Remember, I used to wish I was born like 40 years earlier, but at this point, mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. This is hilarious. So Front row seat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Biden, he's twice now said that the United States will militarily intervene if Taiwan's attacked, and he's been corrected both times. This latest time, he, I forget what news show he was they on. They corrected the correction, though. They're like, no, yeah. we... yeah. Man, <laughs> they're delusional. You just lost to the Taliban. And guess yeah. what? Guess what? That $80 billion worth of equipment, guess where it went? To China. Mm -hmm. They sold it to the Chinese who are reverse engineering all your goodies. And they already get a lot of it from the Israelis anyway. Now right. they got it from the Taliban. Mm -hmm. I did a whole movie on what Israel gave them the specs for the F-16 and the Sidewinder missile. One of the only supersonic missiles the U.S. possesses. Now China has it. Thank you, greatest ally. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're in a fantasy world. And I think and I'm hoping that the MICs on both sides are just rattling sabers so they can justify larger and larger budgets to build giant useless ships and stuff like this with Taiwan being the excuse. I and I hope I'm like, I don't like pointless profiteering, but that's the best scenario. Right. Because people dying. Yeah, that's just people building a bunch of toys and going with Americans. Come, we have to build a bigger navy. We have to build this. They go, oh, Chinese threaten us. We have to build some more submarines and this and that. And they used to they do that with North Korea. They do whatever. I hope that's all it is. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not that, if they're seriously gearing up, thinking one can take 
We cannot take over China. China cannot take over the U.S. Right. Nobody, nobody can win in the other guy's yard. Okay. Right. Like the U.S. is a more powerful country, but it cannot project power that far. And you're not going to win a land battle in China or Asia anywhere. You're just not. Yeah. Uh, we got a super chat here. Um, there's an interesting debate I'd like to see regarding 9-11, Scott Horton versus Ryan Dawson. Any thoughts? We kind of did that last year, sort of, on the Four Horsemen. But Well, I mean, I think before we could even have a debate, he should just sit down and listen to what I have to say because he might not even disagree. Yeah, I saw he went on Kim Iverson's show and was talking about the Saudis um, giving logistical and financial support to the 77 hijackers and... Like, yeah, I think there's like what is considered the official story versus what is. And this is the other thing I wanted to talk about while I had you on the show. The official narrative versus the conspiracy theories is a really clouded line because. Right. Like, yeah. Like, I don't think Scott and I disagree on much on 9-11. Like, he, I know he knows about Arma by Yumi and Osama Vassanana and all that stuff. Um, the parts he's missing is about the art students and the Israelis. He knows about dancing Israelis, but he only knows the surface level about them. And mm -hmm. the Gray Zone did the same thing. They just wrote a piece last year on 9-11. Pretty good. And, and, and I really like the Gray Zone and Aaron Mate. And I like Blumenthal. And I like most people who work there. But they fell for a, a sucker trap. They did expose that the Israelis were spying on Arabs in the United States, but not about 9-11. And they did expose what a criminal Dominic Souter was. But mm -hmm. it wasn't 9-11. And, uh, oh, they weren't dancing. They were just celebrating nitpicky stuff. The problem was they rested their case on interviewing the guys, or kind of lie to you, and they assumed that Maria, which is Maria Septon, really, was the sole witness and the origin of all this information about the dancing Israelis, and she isn't. There are multiple other witnesses, and, I mean, even photos from Langley and da da da, -da and our own field offices from Miami contacted Newark and said that th these Israelis had been down there and given logistical support to the hijackers, just like the Saudis. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're aware of any of that. And I don't think they would even argue with me about it. Once I told them about it, showed them it in the papers, they go, huh, didn't know that end of argument. That's all that would happen. It's nothing. Yeah. to debate. The thing that sucks here is I know from talking to Scott, he doesn't like to even talk about it because of all the kooks who come after him and won't leave him oh, alone forever. I agree. Me yeah. too. Me too. Yeah. Like it, it's what well, it's like, it's like dissing Bitcoin or vegans. Or <laughs> it's like, it's like it's saying, so <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? The like, oh, here come. It's um, like, uh, you know, it's like saying smoking pot, uh, is bad for you. Mm -hmm. You will get it. Somebody said, yeah. Um, there is are a you visceral... saying that cigarettes are better than pot, Ryan? Is that what you're saying? Like that's what it always. Yeah. Happens. Are you yeah. saying? Are you saying that you should smoke crack? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you know how there it's just you're really hitting a beehive, and it's because of Alex Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, because all the other ones would not exist and would not have success without his loud mouth. No one would have heard of Loose Change or Fetzer or, or any of these morons if it hadn't been for the earthquake machine crisis actors guy. And uh, he really, really turned the whole thing into a tar baby. Like you other conspiracies, just as large, like, like another portion of nine 11 
I'd love to talk to Scott about actually is how it was wrongly used to start a war in Iraq. Because mm-hmm. this is a, and Dave Smith agrees with me on this. This is a slam dunk case. You don't need to get into what Cheney was doing or how fast the buildings fell or any of that jazz when it's like, hey, they fucking lied about anthrax. They yeah. said that Iraqis, you know, senior Iraqis gave it to Muhammad Atta in Prague and Colin Powell went to the UN with a mock battle of anthrax and, oh, they're breaking UN resolution 1441. And they is checking Israeli intelligence that claim. Yeah, checking Israeli right? intelligence and checks then reneged on that. The Israelis never did. James Woolsey brings it over. New York Observer puts it in. LA Times puts it in their papers. Uh, Observer's owned by Kushner, by the way. Gary Schmidt writes about it. PNAC did an interesting thing. They wrote about the Prague meeting. First, they wrote about Iraq having anthrax. And then the Prague meeting. First, they just said Iraq met with Al-Qaeda. That's already a crime, right? They're associated. Then they're like, oh, yeah. They wait till the anthrax gets open. And they go, oh, yeah. Remember that story about Iraq meeting with uh, Al-Qaeda? Guess what? They also gave them anthrax, which was BS. Right. Patrick Leahy's targeted with anthrax with that had been had some catalyst added to it. It's weapons grade anthrax. Bruce Ivins gets exonerated after he died. He did not have the ability, equipment right. or anything to do it. And and I know Scott knows this because Justin Armando wrote about it. We do have people on film stealing anthrax from Fort Detrick in the 90s. Philip Zach and a cohort, Marion Ripley, Rippy, that was let them in at night and do illegal gain of function research which is let's call it what it is weaponization of anthrax and they were missing 29 missing spores not not like like vials of spores or whatever samples you know and they tried to frame an egyptian co-worker and blah 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 it's a long story but nobody was interested in even bringing that up or questioning somebody who had stolen anthrax in the past it definitely had cohorts still working at the lab that were removing samples for something, right? right. Could be unrelated, could not. But why didn't the FBI question these people, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously it wasn't Osama bin Laden and it wasn't Al-Qaeda and it wasn't Iraq. And all three got blamed. It wasn't Stephen Hatfield and he got exonerated. Mm-hmm. And then Bruce Ivins allegedly kills himself before his trial. Yeah, so who are they officially sticking it so on now? Is it Bruce Ivins that they officially stick that on yeah. these days? They, Netflix yeah. has a series on it now. I haven't seen it, but other people are like, Ryan, don't watch it. You're going to get triggered. It's just junk. <laughs> they uh, they make it look like Bruce Ivins did it all by himself. And yeah, dude, he didn't. He Bruce Ivins, like, explain this. It's the same things of why Stephen Hatfield got exonerated. If Ivins did this by himself, how? Did he get down to Florida and then New Jersey to mail these letters and show up at work in Maryland the same and without any plane tickets? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense. And uh, it's just no one. They're like, nope, he did it. He's a guy at the lab. He's a little weird. He must have done it. They needed to pin it on somebody. And then the note said death to America, death to Israel. And whoever sent the hoax anthrax happen to know what the note in the real anthrax was I mean it so it has to be the same organization mm-hmm. and this is what they write on the notes and then you've got these very zionist neocon outfits lying about iraq and anthrax like bin laden yeah. didn't plan all that someone else right. connected iraq to anthrax now you could still say sure they did that and they just used the situation 9-11 and they had nothing to do with it i'm okay with that i disagree but fine fine 
can we not get them on what they did? Yeah. Just and they lied about anthrax and started war the rock. They ought to all be all right. fired in prison. Some consequence should happen, and it never does. Mm -hmm. And how yeah, do they I, I, know where to mail the anthrax from unless they knew where the hijackers were? It's almost like they'd been living next door to them. Yeah, it's like you said on the Rise to Liberty podcast. There's lots of speculation that we don't know is true, but what we do know is about the Saudis aiding the hijackers and oh, yes. the Israelis lying to us about the anthrax and lying us into a war. And that alone right there are two and giving, allies. They also gave support to hijackers. Uh, right. the, and the stuff like that was in the un, mostly unredacted 28, right? the consecutive there was far more there are other whole pages that of redactions in the jas report but it was 28 consecutive pages mm -hmm. and a lot of that got on you know unredacted and much of it was talking about uh that paper trail going back to bandar bush and and princess haifa right. to intermediaries that were aiding noifa hazmi and claudio Mithar. And I found another one to Hanji Hanjor, and I found another one to Al Shahi from the UAE. But where do I go with this? You know, it's like, okay. Oh, oh we found one with Mohammed Zamar and Atta too, which was not in the Pentbond report and wasn't in the JS report, but it was in reporting when they did a prisoner swap in Syria that he had been a bag man for Atta. And now it, I went over it with Adam Fitzgerald the other day anyway, yeah. but like, I don't even know who to tell this information to What am I going to tell CNN or Fox that, that, you know, it'll never get on TV. You can, yeah. I'm banned on everything online. And, uh, even if you did, even if I spelled it all out and sat there with the maps and stuff, which I have done, they'll just erase it. And it gets lost in the ether of stupid. That's the nine 11 coop movement. That's talking about, missiles and shoot down a 93 and a bomb on every floor and mm -hmm. whatever and nanothermite and mannequins and do weapons and mini nukes and just the dumbest holograms and the mannequins know, is my favorite one i actually hadn't heard that one until this year um, i i had forgotten about it i'd heard that and i also heard laura something another she she's like a fake nuclear scientist con artist she mm -hmm. was in japan i know her translator yumi was also translated a a comic book called addicted to war really cool book by the way and i had just written welcome to ussa and got invited to this thing i was like the gaijin that spoke japanese i guess i went to dinner with them and all that and i knew way more about 9-11 than she did but she started telling this group of japanese business people that they were throwing plane parts out of another plane to make it look like 93 had debris. And I'm just, just like, <laughs> unbelievable. So this is why Scott but, doesn't touch it right here. This shit. Well, I, I, lots of smart people I agree. <laughs> I agree with Scott because he let me talk about it before. Yeah. Um, I was like, so afraid to, when I was, I didn't, I was like scared. I was going to get killed <laughs> like for real until I got out of the country in a way. I'm like, oh, I don't want to say this on the radio. Like, because I had people calling the phone in my house and stuff and making threats. And, you know, I was probably just, uh, just pissed off Zionists from the ADL or whatever. But, you know, they took one line I had in War by Deception where I said there was a Israeli cabal because there was mm -hmm. and made that look like some anti Semitic conspiracy theory. And which is just nonsense, you know. I didn't even yeah. say the J word in the entire documentary because there's no need to, right? Mm -hmm. It was just, 
look, Israel and Saudi Arabia are countries and they engage in these things. The U.S. did this and that, you know, and whatever. It's um, I get sick even talking about it because every time I do, people get mad at me and call me a government shill or yeah. an agent or whatever because I won't say there's a bomb on every floor, controlled demolition, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I thought at first, yeah, it looks suspicious. They pre-announced Building 7 falling and all that, but every single fireman was not surprised. Right. The corner, the southeast corner was missing, southwest corner, excuse me, was missing. There was fire on every floor. And I explored that for a while. I was like, well, you yeah, know, maybe it, yeah. they let it burn in the minimal, but that makes sense, too. They, a lot of firemen had died that day, and Larry Silverstein made a decision to pull out and watch it burn. They're yeah. like, he tried to get double insurance. I'm like, well, he had multiple buildings. Jack, why not try to get it? He didn't get it. <laughs> like, yeah. And then why do you insure it for terrorism? Like, because those same buildings yeah, have been attacked been in 1993 <laughs> by a rider truck. Like, yeah. And so they get all these class D arguments. And they go after guys. He's ugly. He's old. He's rich. You know, it's all the things leftists hate. Uh, but none of his decisions are unordinary at all. Right. It's what any owner would have done. Now mm -hmm. he's a schmuck for other reasons, but you know, yeah. That the say the they're always like Larry Silverstein said, pull it. I'm like, that's not even your own words. It comes from Alex Jones. <laughs> it, it's he. That was his go-to routine. You know, he's like a chimpanzee. Pull it, pull it's an industry term. Do, 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 do. Fell in its own footprint in six seconds. No building yeah. ever fell from fire. Jeff Fuel can't melt steel beam. Blah blah blah. blah. And, and I'm sitting there like these talking points are not yours right you're just repeating a master charlatan with just utter garbage yeah but each thing requires an explanation they do the same crap with the pentagon you gotta go these rolls reese engine and why the light poles fall down and this and this and this it's a death by a thousand cuts because you have to explain away every talking point or they're not satisfied and it it's like a creationist. It's like explain the universe or my theory all, happened. Yeah. Or, you know, if not a B or it's my sky daddy. Yeah. Okay. Could be a sky daddy, but, but, uh, that's based on faith mm -hmm. and I'm not arrogant enough to be like, well, I know. I mean, all we can even observe is baryonic matter and light and a few other things. But, you know, I'm going to go with empiricism if we ever find anxious disease. All the partial things we've learned have been through that. So whatever. But that's the kind of stuff they do. If not A, then B. Explain how the buildings fell. If not, then it's a bomb on every floor. Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, mostly fire. Now, the fire, however, and this is an, another nuanced thing that I can never get out without getting interrupted by the everybody bombed at stuff is Fire absolutely can burn down a building. But it seems like the fire prevention systems in the World Trade Centers have been sabotaged prior to the attack, mm -hmm. which helped maximize the damage from fire right. because the sprinklers didn't come on. And those guys did get arrested and had an unexplained pass to do work in the World Trade Centers. And Dinko Mechanical was just some residential address. And then those guys had fake fire suppression credentials and letters and, and things. And so there was a giant cell. The key witness was murdered the day before the trial. The ringleader got a 
uh, $250,000 bail. And I don't know a lot of guys that are immigrants that drive truck, aero trucks that have a quarter million dollars laying around. But, you know, <clears throat> Khalid Aldala and Sakur Hama, these people have names. I've documented all this too. Catherine Smith was murdered. That part in 9-11 always is missing. Mm-hmm. That the fire prevention systems were sabotaged, which maximizes fire. They're uninterested in that because it's not as cool as right. thermite bombs or whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, but this has real people and a paper trail. And so whatever. That's one missing part. And then there also is some evidence for uh, vans with explosives in them in the parking garage. That was reported by Rick Sanchez and Pat Dawson and the chief of police or the chief of the fire department. And then the police did take a, a van out to the Church of Dade's area away from the World Trade Center that they believed had an explosive device. There was another van pulled over by George Washington Bridge that was reported live of having enough explosives to blow up the bridge. And a third van that had traces of explosives, which is the van the dancing Israelis, the dancing Israelis had been driving. Um, A lot of these were all moving company vans. And then we find out there's six different moving companies that are related by all the phone numbers in a book caught on, you know, on um, their person when they were pulled over. And they they lied and said they pulled the police over to ask for directions how to get back to New York because the uh, all the connections were closed. BS. Mm-hmm. They're on their way back from White Glove. We know because we have their they took pictures and stuff in their cameras and we know what they were doing. They all got interrogated. They all had different stories for the timeline. They're all lying out their ass. Sivan Kersberg had to been pictured at Doric Towers on September 10th and 7th. Like there's a lot of stuff that's deeper that people like Horton people like, like smart people just never got to hear mm-hmm. because Alex Jones. Yeah. And, and I can't get my foot in the door. I don't know what they know or don't know yet. I have to listen to them talk about it too. But then I'm like, hold on. You don't seem to know any of this part. Right. And, uh, but again, what, even if I could tell all the libertarian people I know and all that, the story of 9-11 then what it's not yeah. gonna be on tv right it's well even if you get it online. on even if you get it on tv like this is my biggest thing is like no one will care like the this the yeah. 28 pages like that's been re- that's been reported by cnn you know you can find cnn mm-hmm. articles or broadcasts about the saudis logistically and financially aiding the hijackers pbs no one had one this year because they uncovered video footage of I think it was Al Hazmi was on the camera and the other one wasn't, but the dinner party that uh, they had in Bastan's there, we Fitzgerald and I went through and named all the people like that's this guy. That's that guy. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's footage of them celebrating, having dinner and stuff. I mean, they lived in their apartment. There's so much there and they don't care. They're just whatever. Yeah. And uh, they were laundering money through the Kuwaiti mosque. They had a bunch of different business fronts, which I've listed before and, it just it doesn't matter. It's it's like um, look, they lied about WMDs for sure. Anyone get fired? No, they get promoted. Yeah. I mean, Judith Miller spent 85 days in jail from the plane affair, I guess, not opening her mouth, and then gets hired by Fox. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just it, the Gulf of Tonkin signal intelligence came out and proved that was a lie too. Nothing happened. Like, even if it was on TV, like until it is 
the proper talking heads from both sides, it won't matter. And that's why I got sick of it and kind of gave up on it. Like I put in like decades of work in this stuff and the disinformation from Jonestown is so strong that you just, you cannot talk about that whole subject in polite company because mm -hmm. they're just going to roll their eyes and go, Oh, another one of those. Yeah. Right. It's sure. like some people can really talk deeply about theology. And then there's others that are just fundamentalists. Mm -hmm. The fundamentalists ruin it for everyone else. Right. Yeah. Nothing puts, puts people off to Christianity, Islam, whatever, more than some fanatic. Right. Yeah. And uh, a fanatic nine 11 dude, whatever <laughs> is just, Oh, they're the worst. And, mm -hmm. If you deny hijackers in planes, then you're not going to get the paper trail back to these foreign states. Right. Cy Hirsch wrote about it. It said whatever trail was left was meant to be found and hinted at foreign involvement. But I even think he was like, I can't get near this tar baby. Like Alex Jones made it so toxic to talk about 9-11 that career winning journalists were like, yeah, I ain't getting near that mm -hmm. because it it became a cult. And it became a cult by a guy that's having you microwave your $20 bills looking for RFID chips. Like the <laughs> dude is not nuts. He does it on purpose. Yeah. yeah. His job is to create a shit sandwich, like to just pour retard sauce on everything. And people are like, is he a government agent? And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. I think he's just an opportunist, masterful bullshit artist. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people that know him. He, he really is like a patriot and a gun nut and all that, but. He exaggerates more than a New Yorker. That's bad. <laughs> and, you know, a New Yorker cannot say something's good. It's always the best, the worst, the number one. Oh, you, you know, it's like people in LA about their fish tacos. Every single yeah. outfit is the best in the world. And uh, they don't know how to not exaggerate. The guy so will take something like cloud seeding, which is real, and that and take that to total weather control <laughs> mm -hmm. so a lot of people understand like how this benefited israel and then they're confused about why saudi arabia would want this to happen so it really comes down to the war in iraq right we basically made a promise that we could put our guy in power after saddam hussein and then instead they democratically elected the dawah party which is shiite which favors iran and then we had the Iran deal. And then actually, because of that, Obama told the Saudis, all right, I'll fund your genocide in Yemen to make you happy. And that's kind of why we are where we are. Well, now, they right? wanted troops out of Mecca, too. And that's something bin Laden asked. And and that demand was met. George Bush did pull them out. Mm -hmm. uh, but more or less. It's not about national interests. It's about select. Personal interests. And that's how every country works. Well, American did not benefit with the war in Iraq. Right. And we didn't get oil out of Iraq, right. but a bunch of neocon Zionists wanted a war in Iraq. They have a very powerful lobby. So off we went. The U S created a group called the Safari club back in 76 to break the OPEC weapon that had happened to the, the Yom Kippur war of 73 caused gas shortages and long lines, fuel lines, in the United States. And they realized we have to break up this cartel and get non-OPEC oil and gas. Well, eventually they'd build those pipelines from the Caspian Sea, BTC, Azerbaijan, and Turkey, right? But not, not right away. And so 
who had the largest reserves? Saudi Arabia. Then we're going to break up OPEC by bringing Saudi Arabia into the fold, into the nexus of the Israeli, French, and American uh, nexus that already existed. That goes back to James Angleton and Ted Shackley and the people who killed Kennedy. And they said, we're going to bring them in. And they're going to send in Bechtel and we're going to, you know, we're going to build sewage systems. We're going to build infrastructure for the Saudis and they're going to pay for this oil money and petrodollar runoff and so on. We're going to modernize Saudi Arabia. We're going to support the monarchs there against their own. And that will break up OPEC. They will, Middle East will not be able to use this oil weapon against us next time. Uh-huh. And so they've had a deep relationship with the Saudi royal family, the Bushes in particular, uh, with this safari club click. And it was the Saudis that worked with the United States, laundering money through outfits like BCCI to finance the diaspora fighters with the Mujahideen in Afghanistan fighting the Soviets. And this is where Al-Qaeda begins with Reagan's freedom fighters, right? Uh, Reagan and Bush, by the way. And Bush was director of the CIA when they created this clique. So that's why the Bush family is so tight with the Saudi family. Mm-hmm. He's the one that initiated this. Uh, Safari Club would go around. If you try to read about it on Wiki and stuff, they'll tell you about them all messing around in Africa. No, 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 no. That That's not wrong, but it's not truthful it's not it's like a fraction of the pie yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's guilt it's omission wrong or something libo omission they uh so they build up this group with bin laden uh working with them and uh zabinski and these guys are uh supporting this faction in afghanistan and you know to learn who you're fighting tomorrow see who you're aiding today right Mm mm-hmm and there was a huge falling out. They did not like the U.S. putting bases on holy sites in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda are a legit, real terrorist organization. And this was in Osama bin Laden's fatwas, one of the three reasons he gave for declaring war on the United States because of that occupation. Mm-hmm. And our own bin Laden unit like spelled it all out. They're mad mm-hmm. about that. Of Palestine, they're mad about this happening in Saudi Arabia, invading Lebanon. Which I mean, if I live there, those are real grievances. It's not they're not just crazy mm-hmm. or just evil. Like they have the I get it, I get it. I can put myself in their shoes and see how yeah, I mean, I screw them. I mean, they they're running civilian airlines in the yeah is terrorism, but I understand how it gets to that point. It's not that different from flying a plane over a building and dropping a bomb on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. At yeah. least their pilot killed himself. Like mm-hmm. at least he would die for it. It's it's all wrong and messed up. But we're also killing their civilians and have been for a long time. Now, two wrongs don't make a right. But when you wrong people over and over again, they're not going to just sit there and take it. Like yeah. there will be blowback. And yeah. there was. And our it's very hard to parse out how much of our intelligence failures were because it's government and they're inept or if there was a look away list. And I, I side with, no, it it was on purpose and they are incompetent, but not to that degree. There are a lot of incompetent retards in government. Government could drown in a puddle, Mm -hmm. but there are a few Kissinger's 
Bakers, Zabrinskis that are not stupid. Cheney, he's not dumb. He's just evil. Mm-hmm. In fact, Cheney spelled it all out in 94. Why we shouldn't go into Iraq because it right. created a quagmire and then threatened the territorial integrity of Turkey and the Kurds would fly off, the Sunni would fly off, the Shia. And he's telling that to George Bush this interview. So you know they knew better. Mm-hmm. And we had a guy in office, pretty high level. He's the DOD guy. Now he's the vice president who definitely, definitely knows what a disaster this is going to be and does it anyway. And so there are a lot of characters like that in government that for financial gain or whatever, eh, they knew, but let it be, right? Mm-hmm. We need something to replace the Cold War. The war on terror is going to make us trillions. Ongoing conflict. MIC loves it. And I know some people are like, nah, man, who would do that? Really? Like, yes, you're talking about total psychopaths. Yeah, just look throughout history. <laughs> it's not that shocking of a concept. I mean, they've never not They've ne- <laughs> this is the CIA, the Pentagon. You think they have rational people that look, they made Bradley fighting vehicles out of aluminum, knowing damn well that was a death trap and put our guys in them anyway, because uh-huh. it costs a lot of money. And it's not their money. Oh, how many congressional districts can we rope in with the F-35 program? Oh, uh-huh. cheap plug. I ripped into the F-35 and F-22 Raptor and this this book on Amazon called the separation of business and state, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it gets to the revolving door. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to do that, but I mean, the books just shows why we need a separation of business and state, but we have been on a dark path since Lincoln. I mean, he, he is the guy that merged media and state by closing down all the newspapers that were not favorable to him. Mm-hmm. He creates the income tax and vastly, you know, increased the power of the federal government. And it's been just a a downward decline from there onward. We get worse and worse. We lose more and more liberties. The bloated budget, all these different departments that have arisen, the Department of Education, the Department of Commerce, stuff that's natural, you don't need departments for. Uh, it gets more and more bloated, more and more bureaucracy, more and more unelected portions of government just for nepotism and giving away this and that to donors or you get to be the ambassador of Slovakia or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of incompetence and I can really be almost agnostic at times. You're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe they're just that stupid, (laughs) but, but but the sliding scale is what's the smoking gun on nine 11. I'm like, it's not, just like aha this it's like when you put it all together you then you think no not even Mm -hmm. they could be that dumb yeah but i'm always second guessing that when i see how germany's reacting right now closing (laughs) down their nuclear power plants yeah i'm like well maybe they are that that dumb yeah either they're that dumb or the people in charge in germany are destroying it on purpose yeah. And I, I don't know. It's honestly a toss up because I'm like, how could you be that stupid? But then, and a guy said this on my telegram today, and this is such a black pill. He said, uh, hey, Ryan, we were just over here, right? He, I go, yeah, I was there in June. He's been to Walmart recently. It's like, nah, you know what? I actually wanted to go. I uh, didn't go to Walmart. He goes, but you've been to Walmart. I go, yeah, yeah. Is he ever just. <laughs> 
you know where I'm going with it. Can ever go to Walmart and just look around, <laughs> just you know, at the Walmartians <laughs> and all these decrepit, disgusting people like riding their scooters because they're so fat they can't walk, or you know, they're wearing suspenders and no shirt and a mullet that's a redhead with one tooth, and and you know, this is what welfare does. It destroys. Mm -hmm. And I and I'm thinking, a is this even worth saving? B that they get to vote too. <laughs> C maybe we're that dumb. Yeah. I mean, maybe I see a lot of politicians now and then you get a Tulsi Gabbard or a or a Rand Paul or somebody. It's like they're they're intelligent, you know. Right. But, but also <laughs> you get AOC, right? You get yeah. you get some real winners. Adam and, Kinzinger. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, he really likes us at li the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire. <laughs> He's big fans. Of us. How about I Patch McCain? By the way, oh, three man. days away from the death anniversary of John McCain. It's on my mm -hmm. calendar. Got a rainbow frog dancing. <laughs> the guy met with Al Qaeda. I mean, he set our own boats on fire. He gave the Viet Cong their information. It, it, the dude was just a sinister. He's like the pale horse. Everywhere he went, he brought death and destruction with him. Anywhere he visited, you knew it was coming, right? And uh, I don't think when people are like, don't speak ill of the dead, nah, fuck John McCain. Do we not speak ill of Hitler? Right. Of course we do. Every other monster from anywhere else, we're like, this guy was terrible, blah. Well, but the thing own, is, oh, like, no, people, you can't do that. You can't criticize. People ask me, years. like, why do you try to you know, like destroy the legacy of someone who's already dead. Well, like Lincoln, he for shouldn't example, have a legacy. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but like Lincoln, you know, like monster kill, responsible for the death of thousands of people. Millions. Uh, FDR, uh, you know, also a tyrant responsible for the deaths of a lot of Americans, um, you know, and destroying our economy. So like you, you have, people nowadays who point back to Lincoln or point back to FDR and then eventually they'll be pointing back to John McCain and they'll be pointing back to these people saying see these were some of our greatest and we want to aspire to be, we'll like be on them. the side it's of like, a mountain yeah. no you don't you don't want to be like these people these people are fucking awful so Lincoln I think killed millions and he killed millions in the 1860s mm -hmm. the percentage of southerners he killed if you were to scale that up to 2022 is like having a war and losing 17 million people I just want yeah. to read a quote from Honest Abe for those. And this is just not even a, a cunt hair worth of evil compared to the totality of that monster for stinking Lincoln. Here's what he said. Our Republican system was meant for a homogeneous people. As long as blacks continue to live with whites, they constitute a threat to the national life. Family life may also collapse and the increase of mixed breed bastards may someday challenge the supremacy of the white man. Abe Lincoln. What a guy. Yeah, he just wanted free the slaves. My ass. They get this story in second grade of, you know, the heroic. Yeah. And but my point is, eventually, they'll be real. getting they'll be getting the second grade story of John McCain eventually, too. Oh, I know. Like, it. So if we keep letting George these people the hero got rid of Saddam, who tortured and harmed his own people and had W and D's. Well, like, I feel like George Bush is one of the only ones who sort of got the reputation he deserved. Like a lot. I mean, he's gotten a little like uh, he's gotten a little bit of a comeback with some like blue and on retards. But for the most part, people are like, yeah, <laughs> he was a bad president. We shouldn't have gone to Iraq. <laughs> 
Did you see him making airplane noises with those Russian comedians that pranked him? He's going, because no. like, they're like, they're like, we wanted to ask you because you used to be a pilot. You know, his eyes lit up. He's like, yeah, I was a pilot. <laughs> and ah, uh, because you know these people have this paternalistic racism where somebody's sort of talking to you in a broken second language, they just feel like superior. Mm. And I'm thinking, yeah, why don't you try and speak Russian to them? You get it. You you'll be like Privet Koktila finished, right? You don't know it, and they'll or if that even they don't even know any words, and they're speaking to you in a second language, and it might sound like uh, a kid or something, but you got to think that's a second language. But he treats them like they're stupid, and they had him making airplane noises, and it was it was hilarious because of the absurdity. I'm like, this guy used to be the leader of the free world, mm-hmm. and look at him. Look at what he's such a a moron. Yeah. And uh and he's older and wiser, supposedly. And he's just an immature sophomoric asshole. Yeah. And uh they really expose that on him. And they uh you gotta see it. Look up Russian comedians prank George Bush. <laughs> I was dying. And it it's shouldn't be funny. But again, I, I've, I've crossed that line like the Joker where I have to just laugh at the absurdity because there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, just go ahead. It's like when the, you know, I saw a story. I, I, I shit, you know, I swear to Jesus. They had, this is a newspaper headline from Portland, of course. <clears throat> Antifa shootout with furries. <laughs> Let them fight. <laughs> and I'm like, popcorn, please. Furries. <laughs> were they were across this uh, apartment complex shaped like a L. And uh-huh. they were shooting at each other. <laughs> the people dressed up like animals. And the people oh who looked God. like animals pooped them out. Were firing on each other. And... My little sister gives me the, um, she's my basement liaison. Mm-hmm. She's like, have you heard of the birdies? Do you, have you heard of the birdies, Reed? I have not. Well, since someone poisoned my brain with it, I'm going to share it. Oh, so God. within, within, <laughs> this is so trash. <laughs> Welcome to Spurgatory. Yeah, within, thanks. Within the furry community, there's a hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Even they have a line, right? The birdies yeah. <laughs> are the ones that dress up like birds and like to be in a cage, like a bird cage. Are they on the bottom or the top of the hierarchy? I, I, oh, oh, no! Everyone hates the bird people. Okay, they're the bottom. Yeah, yeah, no one likes them, like because they poop on newspapers they they do bird stuff i can't even <laughs> jesus christ i know um i'm like why do i know this and she's like because i had to know it so you have to know it. like it's just what i just did to everybody listening now you have that image uh see this bird- stuff is bad this makes me like want to you know telephone biden and say yeah just send an aircraft carrier straight to fucking oh. china and have them start bombing get this shit kicked off have you, you know? not like, seen the uh, hashtag putin please nuke us like, yeah i've seen it it's just like I, jesus christ i like, used to 
I used to use that and I got kicked off Twitter for the dozenth time or whatever. But um, so it gets worse. It gets more degenerate than that. Uh, so I have this group on Telegram called Spurgatory and I right. and, you know, abandon all hope ye who enter type of place because you've got it's 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 bad you got like there so the evangelists the white supremacists the blacktivists the flat earthers the all the drug addict all just it's the free market of stupid information it is like all the dregs of the internet haven't because i won't ban people i'm almost a free speech absolutist so i just stick them in this place (laughs) where you can say whatever uh and they do and um Sometimes I don't know why it's like watching a racing for the car wrecks or something, you know, racing is just a redneck left turn. <clears throat> I'll just go in spurgatory and go wonder what I just, I wonder what's going on in here. And I'm like Arn Anderson when he saw uh, John Tenta opens the door. Yeah. <laughs> shuts it again. <laughs> yeah. I open it one time. And there's a woman in her bathtub with floating beer cans in the water, nude throwing, things at the wall singing karaoke and, and there's a big fight and voice chat between the potheads and the alcoholics telling each other to stick their fingers up the rectum and all this stuff but it was really funny is when i put this uh jewish friend of mine in charge as a moderator every single faction stopped fighting and teamed up against him <laughs> he pissed them all off this guy is a level 11 troll and really uh-huh. that get under people's skin and just lit into everybody. And that was my punishment. I'm like, you made one of my moderators quit because you guys are so nuts. So I'm going to bring in the biggest asshole I know. And I went to my buddy who is an asshole, but I still like him. And I said, I told him I'm going to bring the biggest asshole I know. So you want the job? <laughs> He's worse than me. And uh, yeah, that cleaned up a lot of stuff. But within Spurgatory, I learned some new degenerate stuff that I never would imagine. I never knew about the whole Chris Chan. That's Chris Chan cult affair, sauna chew, all that. Don't even ask. You don't want it. It's so bad. Yeah. I'm going to, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Just, it's so bad. It's so, it's so, and then I'm thinking, man, these people are real though. <laughs> these are the wall Martians. Yeah. This is what the, the ones that are, can type are all in spurgatory Mm -hmm. um that you know the birdie stuff they're like oh yeah and i starting to see the photos of this stuff and all that and then you learn just how deep the basement gets and i don't know i guess maybe this is really far off from the topic of the show but if anyone's interested in spurgatory uh you know you're welcome to join on purpose but (laughs) Yeah, Ryan's uh, Telegram channel is linked in the description. So if you go there, you can find Spurgatory through links on there. So, yeah, well, that's a that's a good place to end the show, I guess. Spurgatory. Um, I know you're, <laughs> I know you're streaming on Cozy now. Uh, what else is new? Where can people keep up with what you're? Oh doing yeah, on? so that's an irony too, because uh, the guy that runs it, Nick Puentes, uh, hates my guts. But I guess. I was about to join their rival and so they didn't want me to go there. And so they offered me a thing. I'm I'll take whatever I'm banned. Hey, on that's the way to go. Have your adversaries bend to your will to keep you around. That's 
You know what? I've been red pilling their audience though. Like they, they come in with the N word and all this immature stuff. And like over the course of like eight days, I've gotten a lot of them to come around and they're reading Thomas soul and Ted K. And so these people are not hopeless. It's just, they get everyone dismiss them. And I'm Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Papa of the black sheep. You know, I got all the black sheep. I got Killhead Osmond. I had, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. and it sucks, man. I hate being relegated to Telegram because it is full of a lot of freaks and it's very hard to please my chat, but I don't have another venue. So, yeah, that's where it is. Substack's been good, you know, but that's different medium. And um, yeah, I've got a Telegram where only I post a Telegram where like people like you can post like anybody and yep. then there's purgatory for everyone with no self-control <laughs> like the gingers all of the weirdos are down there mm-hmm. and it is entertaining and now and then they're correct about something sounds off the wall but i don't know the power of autism or whatever they figure things out sometimes it's like having a bunch of monkeys at a typewriter. Eventually, they're going to yeah, yeah. You know, type something <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, man, it's funny. There's a big war between the QAnoners and the man. I don't know. It's my guilty pleasure, I guess. <laughs> it's like when you want to see that just like that's our future, you know, <laughs> when you want to see how bad things are, just look at California, see what they're doing and go, holy crap, that's going to come across the whole country soon as they move everywhere. You yeah. can just steal $950 worth of stuff and not go to jail. This is why we got to concentrate. That's why everyone's got to move to New Hampshire, fucking vote all these weirdos out and, you know, be culturally repulsive to non-libertarian people. If that doesn't so. work. Come to Ocracoke. Yeah, Ocracoke's the second second best it's, thing. It's, it's really, we're already there. You yeah. Know, North Carolina can have whatever rules it wants. We just ignore them. So. Yeah. That's what Maine is like. A lot of Maine, there's like the, the towns don't even have names. It'll be like Township 237, and the nearest police office is like 45 minutes away. So it's like, okay. Yeah, we don't have a police office or a court. Yep. I mean, we have, we have court but it is not in a courthouse <laughs> <laughs> yep all right guys yeah check out the links to my show too i got a link tree down there i am i, I haven't been doing much the last couple of weeks like i said but i'm getting back into it make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't i'm also on odyssey new on rumble that's also oh, cool. you there. have rumble now nice got a rumble now um everything automatically uploads from youtube to odyssey and rumble within a day or two and then I also have a Substack, Telegram, Instagram. I don't have Twitter. I'm permanently banned off there, just like Ryan can't get back on unless there's actually a shakeup at some point. But isn't like, that bad? This is how far in our own end zone we are that we're putting our hope on like Elon Musk. Yeah. Because better than the, he couldn't make it worse. <laughs> the fucking Neuralink guy is the one we're hoping will save the future. Right. The guy that thinks he can terraform Mars. Yeah. Is, uh, which you cannot do is the guy like, Hey, look, it's like giving medicine to the dead. You can't really make it. It's, you know, you're doing surgery on a corpse. Twitter, yeah. 
Twitter's so bad. Like they they kick you off if you say Rittenhouse did nothing wrong, but mm. they have DM pedophile rings of all these people sharing kitty porn to each other, and they do nothing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Completely selective. All right, guys. Thanks for watching the show. We'll catch you on the next stream.